Scripture today is from three chapters in the book of John. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John 16, until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. John 17, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, welcome you again to Sanctuary. Um, my name is Andrew, and uh, yeah, as Adam mentioned, our Vision Sunday um, is uh, a, a really a beautiful day where we bring our congregations. There's an, a few different congregations around our city, and we come together to celebrate and to worship. We've got some really fun announcements and things going on, and it's such a day of rejoicing. So I just want to encourage you, um, if you had plans that weekend, like cancel them. No, I'm serious, though. <laughs> Do it. Cancel and be here. Be here as we kind of unify together around uh, sort of charge going into, going into the new year. Um, uh, I, uh, I don't know how your week was. My week was um, uh, challenging, man. And uh, my wife uh, doesn't, she, she works part-time, and um, many of you know Corey, and she, rare work trips that she has, very, very rare, um, and this one was a couple days, and then due to a bunch of unforeseen circumstances, got pushed longer. And so I was, uh, I was home with all three, three girls, and uh, eight, four, and two. And I had to try to fit in. We already were, like, limited with the amount of, like, babysitter hours. Grandparents are around. We lost a day with grandparents because of the, like, windstorm that knocked out power. And so grandma didn't feel comfortable taking the kids. I'm going to show you the long sob story. But basically, I had to about midweek surrender that I was not going to get, like, three-fourths of the work that I needed to get done this week. Uh, it was just a lot exhausting. But there was a turning point in the week where— um, well, let me say this first. The day that my wife left, my youngest, my two-year-old, if you're unfamiliar with child development, two-year-olds are still in diapers. And my two-year-old decided to have some weird digestive issue that uh, caused not one, not two, not three, but eight blowouts. Now, if you, those of you who are unfamiliar with what a blowout is, I'm not going to explain it to you now. Uh, apologies for all those who like these are the worst stories but it happened it's real this is my life and uh, eight blowouts so there was one though the, the best one was we were out we had just grabbed I was like you know what we'll take the morning I'll take Keller's my youngest we'll go get breakfast so we're on Broadway we're out in front of this breakfast place that has like big big windows big glass glass windows you can see really really clearly what's going on, on the sidewalk and I, I bring her to the car and realize like she smells really bad and she had been crying because clearly something was you know going on and I, I I lay her down I open up the trunk we have like a hatchback kind of trunk hatch opens up I lay her down and um, proceed to change the diaper and realize it's it's everywhere and it required a disproportionate amount of wipes um, and so I'm like this is disgusting and so I've got to throw, first of all, these wipes that won't even, like, fit in the diaper. There's, like, a move. Parents know, you know, like, you, 
and I'm not going to explain it again. So I take the wipes. I try to like lift them up in the best way I can. They once were white or now are brown. Was blind and I see. Anyway, so I take the, the wipes and I am looking for a trash can. There's a big municipal trash can that is out in front of this place. I just had breakfast and there's these three gentlemen sitting in the window, older gentlemen, and they look at me like run because I've got to go about... Mm, 20 feet from my car to the trash can and my daughter is laying on her back in the hatch. It's also pouring. I left that part out. So I run over, I drop the, the wipes in the trash can and I can see them looking at me and we kind of made like awkward eyes for a minute and they kind of smiled and I'm like, ah, and they clearly didn't know exactly what I was doing. I run back. So a guy just like ran to the trash, dropped a bunch of wipes in, ran back. Finally I get like the diaper and the rest of the stuff all like like bundled up and I go and as I'm walking or running over to the trash can and I see these gentlemen again in the window and they can see what's going on now. Um, see like my daughter, my daughter with her legs up in the, in the trunk as I'm running uh, the, this diaper over and I just look at them and smile and they laugh at me and I just like dramatically drop the diaper into the trash. And I'm just like, you know, I'm not really smiling but I'm glad I'm entertaining them. And so I run back again and I realize just how bad this one is where her pants that were once gray are now a certain shade of brownish yellow and um your hat actually christian that was about it that was about the color yeah <laughs> have my children defecated on your hat <laughs> welcome to sanctuary so i take the uh i take her pants and i now run them to the trash can and now it's just comical as I hold the pants up. Now, my wonderful wife is an incredibly like frugal person. And I could hear her voice in the back of my head. Don't you dare throw those pants out. Don't you dare throw those. I'm just like, I'm at my end. I'm not going to try to find a bag and I got to bag them up. I don't want to drive home with like these, like they're just such soiled pants. And I just thought to myself, you're not here, honey, as I'm talking to her voice in my head. And I let them go and I look up and these guys are just dying they're like pointing at me now I don't know exactly what they are saying but I'd like to imagine that they are uh maybe reminiscing on like oh, I remember I remember when look at this guy <laughs> maybe they were trying to bless me a little bit with like this too shall pass I don't know they were having a really good time at my expense just dying it was this moment for me in this like silly, like, yeah, it was a really hard week, really hard. I mean, not comparatively to so many others week, I'm sure this week. I was plagued by some real hardship, but man, it was one of those moments where I was a tipping point as I threw those pants and looked at those guys in the eye as they're laughing at me going, this is when I get so frustrated. I don't know if any of you like are dramatic like I am. It's like everything in that moment just feels like it's all gone wrong. Like everything, everything. I am so tired. I haven't gotten any work done. Everything came into like, like clear focus of like everything is literally a mess right now. And I'm standing in the pouring rain, throwing out poop filled pants. And these guys are laughing at me. I'm like, what is my life right now? And it was a moment where everything just sort of turned. It was just, you know what? This is kind of funny. It was like a combination of like, things are going to be all right. These guys weirdly like gave me this perspective as I sat there like engaging in this awkward moment through the glass. It, 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 my, my, str my strife 
just turn to joy, like in an instant. I think we often think of joy as something we have to wait for. I think we often think of joy uh, as something that is tied to things working out. And thus we wait for things to work out. That's not really how the scriptures speak of joy. The, the, the scriptures speak of something that can be practiced or, or cultivated, that can be present in some ways at all times in Christ. These passages that Adam just read are from the mouth of Jesus. Just reflect for one more second on these scriptures. John 15, I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I don't know what your walk or path with Jesus has been like, but have you ever considered these words? Everything that you've ever read about Jesus, everything that Jesus has instructed, invited you to, every place where you have been captivated by the worldview of Jesus felt like this is who I am. This is the true story of the whole world. Have you ever taken seriously him saying, hey, I told you all of it, all of it, all of it, according to this passage, is so that your joy may be complete. It's almost like Jesus is saying, what I want for you most is that you would be filled with joy. John 16, 24, until now, you've not asked me for anything in my name. Ask and you'll receive and your joy will be complete. This is relational, covenantal language. You can be in connection with the God of the universe. The ground of your being, the spirituality behind everything else. You can be connected, dialed in, have an ask and receive in relationship. When you have that, complete joy. Sweet. Anyone else want complete joy? Anyone else like complete joy? Just acknowledge that this morning. Like, that would be great. Cynical. Not sure that's real. I'm doing all right. No, no, no. I'm talking about complete joy, regardless of how you're feeling. John 17, but I say these things while I'm still in the world. Like, while I'm walking with you, I want to get a couple things straight. And you guys are going to write this down so a church sanctuary, like, 2,000 years from now is going to hear these words too. I'm, I'm, in here, I'm here talking about this. So that all of you, and everybody else may have the full measure of my joy within them. Anyone want the full measure of God's joy? Sounds good, right? Imagine for a second, like the most uh, beautiful um, place that you've ever been. Or if that's unhelpful, think of the happiest moment in your life. Take a minute, if it's helpful to close your eyes, just like bring that moment to the surface. First thing that comes to mind, happiest moment ever. Most beautiful place I've ever been. Just like hold that there for a minute. Whatever God's relationship to time and space is, it's obviously different than mine and yours. We're told there's no place that God is not. God not only was in that moment, but the author of that moment. This is the God of joy. And, that, and I say that because the flip is true. You can think of the hardest moment, the moment you were most despairing, the moment that was most difficult. 
God, not only was he in that moment, but the God of, of joy, marked by joy, who is outside of time and space, has enough of a vantage point that he can see all of that sadness passing away and can stand even in the midst of humanity's brokenness and betrayal and despair and hold joy. God, right, through Jesus, we see longs for his disciples to be like him, and he says that they may have the full measure of joy. This is what it is to be joyful. I think when we think of Jesus or God making us joyful or having that kind of eternal perspective, uh, I, I think it's easy for us to simply like, I don't know, find ourselves waiting around for God to drop a, like a joy bomb on us or something like that. Like just to, to impart joy. Now those are absolutely great when they come, moments where God has just been like, you, you, let me just bless you with joy and suddenly everything changes. But uh, let me say this, Jesus has way more ambition for your life. Way more ambition. He wants to grow and mature you into the kind of person who is joyful. Where the overall condition of your heart is that you are a joyful, celebratory person. Anyone exhausted by their own cynicism? Anybody? Anyone having a moment where, like, just, just be honest right now. You really don't like yourself recently because you are just a cynical, most un-Mr. Rogers-like person in the whole world. No one wants to raise their hand. Like, you're just negative. You know, there's like resting, uh, I can't say the word here, but you know, like resting blank face. You know, it's like your whole life is that. It's not just like happens to look like that. Like, you're just weighed down. You're like, I don't know what it is to get excited. It's just like kind of, it feels like it's like permeating the atmosphere. It's hard to break out of. You're just, just, Jesus has more ambition for your life. And, and, and it's, um, what I want to talk about today is that we actually have power to cultivate this joyful heart. It's not conditioned on our circumstances. It's not just in those moments where God might supernaturally provide a moment of rest, but that it's at the center of becoming like Jesus is to have a joyful heart in all circumstances. How do we do this? First, to be joyful, to rejoice, is actually a command that runs through the scriptures, specifically the New Testament. I don't know about you, but it's one of those things. It's like when people say, like, hey, don't be anxious. Like, can Like, you're anxious. Don't be anxious. Like, just stop. When you're anxious, it's like, it's like the worst thing, right? Christians are notorious for this. It's like, hey, you're really feeling sad right now? Hey, Chris, just, God says, though, he commands you to be joyful, right? This, for whatever reason, we don't, like, receive those moments really well. We're like, okay, cool. Still, if I could just snap and change it, I would. But I, I want to be clear, and I don't want to soften the blow that it is a command here, not a gentle invitation from like fairy godmother. Do it. And I, why it's important to name that is because it's actually a practice. This isn't like the best it, like, words necessarily to say when you're shepherding somebody who's in deep despair or ache. It's a command like your whole life, do this. Build it into your life. Rejoice. Scholars argue that the best definition of Rejoice is simply to celebrate. Has the idea of a meal at a table with others. 
And I think too often we don't think of joy as a discipline. We don't think that we have responsibility in it all. Uh, Richard Foster uh, famously said in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, he said, the decision to set the mind on the higher things of life, like on the good stuff, is an act of will. That's why celebration or rejoicing is a discipline. It's not something that falls on our head. He says it is the result of a consciously chosen way of thinking and living. To align ourselves with joy is to open our hearts and to pursue it. Turn with me, if you would, to Philippians 4. It's one of my favorite passages about joy. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? I'm in like a feedback mood. So for all those who come from that Pentecostal tradition, let it out. Don't let the... Don't let those quiet Presbyterians scare you away. Got any former Presbyterians in the room? Current Presbyterians just under the radar? We love y'all, all of y'all. Philippians 4 verse 1, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Here's the command. Again, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. And then Paul gives us some exercises. Some practices. How do you do it? He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's stop there for a minute. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, present your requests. So, number one, you actually have to... um, surrender your illusion of control. One of the ways that you rejoice, that you practice celebration, is by practicing letting go and surrendering outcomes to God. It's recognizing his like kingly status and your creaturely status. It's saying in some ways I am dependent on God to help me become all that I was created to be. It's recognizing like I am not simply like my autonomy is governed by God. That there's a bigger story, like we sang this morning, like of King of Kings, and we recited that story. I love that song. I never get tired of song, that song or songs like it. It's like, this is the story again. This is the part of who I am. This is the culture that I have been uh, adopted into that trumps any other identifier of who I am. This is how good God is. This is what he has done. This is what he is doing and rehearsing that together. And so it's about um, recognizing that God is God and I am not and relinquishing control. It's about a posture of surrender. Bring everything. Bring the good, bring the bad, bring the ugly, bring it all, prayers and petitions to God. Okay, number two, thanksgiving. Do it all with thanksgiving, he says. So work gratitude into everything you do. There is this uh, ancient Jewish practice. It's like a pattern of praying, bless the Lord. Uh, It's sort of an attitude of continual thanksgiving towards God. It comes uh, from the scriptures when Moses kind of asked the Israelites not to forget God. And so this is really, really brief kind of like prayer-let meditation. A lot of people like to use the word mantra. Um, But it's this really simple prayer of, bless are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. Will you say that with me? Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe. Now, for short, it's just prayed, blessed is he. Blessed is he. 
And then you continue with what you're giving thanks for. Blessed is he who. Now, we have a posture of doing this in our family. Uh, and recently, we uh, wrapped up the, the summer by going to Like No Utter. Anybody like a vegan ice cream? Lactose intolerant? Every time you walk into a restaurant and you find out they have lactose, they like oat milk ice cream, you're like, yes. No? All of you have good digestive tracts? Great. Praise God. Blessed is he who doesn't need lactate pills. There's a lot of poop in this sermon. Sorry. I'm going to go one more round, right? Ready? So there's this ice cream at Like No Utter called unicorn poop. It's disgusting. It's disgusting unless you like, like unless you're four, five, six years old and love all things sweet. It's like take a Skittle and then put a Smarty on top of it and then like pour sugar and then eat that in like a spoon. That's what unicorn, it's just like, oh my gosh, I didn't know something could be that sweet. My kids love it. We get done with eating unicorn poop. You know what we did? Don't make fun of me. Blessed is he who provides the unicorn poop. We do this in our family all the time with the kids. Every good thing, every good and beautiful thing that happened, we just give thanks for it because he's the author of all things that are good. God made the world and he said it was good. For all the ways that it's marred, broken, jacked up, for all the ways we've contributed to the evil and injustice of the world, God said it is good. And so when we encounter the good and the true and the beautiful anywhere, we give thanks for it. It sounds like a simple thing, but this prayer has been around for thousands of years. Blessed is he. You are at a good meal. Everything's great. You're like, yeah, blessed is God for this food and its flavor. Incredible sunrise. Blessed is God for this sunrise. We notice the birds. Like, blessed is he. <coughs> blessed is he who made the birds. I was at a show the other day. It's like, oh, man, blessed is he who created, like, the minor fifth chord. You know, like, just, you, you just... You cultivate a posture of gratitude in your heart. No matter what, no matter when, no matter where. It's just blessed is God. One question I have for you today is how could you be more intentional in regularly thanking and blessing God for the good and the true and the beautiful? First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in most circumstances. No. Only when things are good. No. Right? We know this first. For those of you who are followers of Jesus and are here. Give thanks in all circumstances. This should mark us as Christians. Give thanks. Those are people who in all circumstances give thanks because they have the eyes to see. They can hear the signal through the noise. They're filled with wonder. They have taken like a body blow to Northeast Providence 20 and 30-something-year-old cynicism. It's not just 20 and 30-something, but you know who you are. <laughs> Thank you. Blessed is he who brings water to his pastor. <laughs> more and more we look for things to be grateful for in our lives, the more we will see God's hand. We'll see his beauty. We'll see his presence, even in something as small and silly as unicorn poop. We have to work gratitude into the fabric of our being to practice it constantly, all day long. Deeply joy-filled people are people who are marked by gratitude. Gratitude and joy, they go hand in hand. So that's two, give thanks. So surrender the outcomes, everything in prayer and petition. One way I like cultivate joy 
as I surrender the outcomes, I remember who's on the throne. I bring all that I have, all of the uncertainty I have in my life to God and place in his hands. Two, I cultivate gratitude in, in everything. And then three, and this is the one that takes up the most real estate in this section, is setting your mind on joy. So going back to Philippians 4. Finally, brothers, verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, I love this list. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about that stuff. Think of such things. Think on them. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. It's not going to come automatically. Build it into your life. Build it into your schedule. Build it into your rhythm. And the God of peace will be with you. Meditate on such things. Set your mind on those things. Most of us don't have great control over our emotions. Most of us don't have great control over our thought life. What we give our mental real estate to matters. Our feelings follow our thinking. Can we all just be honest for a minute? We don't have as much control over our feelings and our emotions and our impulses as we would like. And we can change that by what we fill our hearts with. If they are marked by cynicism and critical inputs. The other day, I like went through my Instagram feed and just started unfollowing like snarky meme accounts. Anyone else like have a little bit of like struggle with this? Like why? This is what goes into my head. And I just started following like the ugliest like Christian Instagram sites I could that just had like verses on it. Jackie's laughing. Like I literally, Jackie, I went for like the most like unrisd, post-rizd, post-rizd thing I could have found. Like, Give me the mom who's just trying to encourage her little circle who's like 60 years old and barely knows how to use Instagram and just putting like a verse up in like ugly like pink on pink. You know, like, you know what I'm talking about. You guys know what I'm talking about if you grew up around church, right? It's like the same woman that crocheted stuff is now like on Instagram. Like, never mind, I'm going to stop. And I just, I, I needed more good news stuff. I started just reposting like good news, good things that are happening, beauty that's happening in the world. That's not that there isn't a place for like a good snarky meme. It's not that there isn't a good place. Some of you are like, what's a meme? Like there isn't a good place for, for, for a, you know, a little bit of that. But when it starts to dominate your world, when, um, I didn't tell you this, I was at a concert with, um, some, I won't name who it was, but I was, <laughs> I was at a concert with some friends the other night. I didn't tell this person that, <laughs> but uh, this, but I was standing, this is not reflective, by the way, of, of you. This is me. I'm standing next to my buddy and we're at a, at a worship, like, event. It's weird when it's like a concert, but it's worship. It's a strange thing. And uh, it was like one of the most joy, some of you know Maverick City is, like, it, was, it was just, it was so joyful. It was just like, out of control earnestness, like, and just wonder and celebration that, like, did not stop for, like, two hours. And I, like, something about, like, my, like, like all, everybody there was, like, excited to be there. But I'm standing next to one of my friends, and for whatever reason, 
again, this wasn't on him. I don't know if you've ever had this happen. I just found myself like reflected back at me like, oh, I shouldn't be too joyful. I, I, I should like, I, I need to like, um, I don't know how to explain this. <laughs> I couldn't like, I couldn't fully, it took me a while to get to a place where I could just like let go. Again, this wasn't because they did anything or did anything wrong or anything about their personhood at all. It was literally like, I still have these like places where I don't allow myself just to let go and praise. And then I, I looked up and I'm in TD Garden. So this is where the Boston Celtics play. Any Celtics fans in the room, i.e. Christians? Great. And I'm looking at these retired numbers and these and I'm looking at these uh, championships that have won. I looked at a couple that were there when I was a little kid when they won the championship. And I remember just how nuts I would get watching them on TV. And then I remember the last time I was in TD Garden watching a Boston Celtics game and how absolutely insane I got. I've used this analogy before, but a bunch of guys in like spandex running around throwing a leather ball into an orange hoop. I love sports, but that's producing the kind of like, yeah, I'm like hugging my buddy, we won. And I'm at a concert where people are like praising the name of the Lord our God. And I'm like, yeah, just, you know, a little bit of that, not too. And it, it was like this internal rebuke that I felt that I, I had to break out of where I recognize that I don't, I recognize how much I've, I've been formed by cynicism and formed by, by a critical nature and a critical spirit. I've spoken about this before, right? The, the news, because science tells us that we gravitate more towards negative news than positive news, the news being a participatory agent in a capitalist society, gives us negative news more than positive. It's not because there's more bad news than good news. It sells more. That's why you see it all the time. And that's why if your news feed and your Twitter feed and your Instagram feed are all pushing things that don't line up with Paul in Philippians 4.8, it's going to affect your feelings and your overall joy. It will diminish you. It will diminish you. And to write, says the command in Philippians 4.8 to think about all the wonderful and lovely things listed here runs directly opposite to the habits of mind instilled by the modern media. Read the newspapers. Their stock in trade is anything that is untrue, unholy, unjust, impure, ugly, of ill repute, vicious, and blameworthy. Is that a true representation of God's good and beautiful world? How are we going to celebrate the goodness of the Creator if you feed your mind only on the places in the world which humans have made ugly? Come on. Even just think of the, 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 the word we're all very familiar with, the news feed, my Instagram feed. Take it literally. It is feeding you. Feeding you. What are you being fed and what are you allowing in? And so I will just like admit to you without putting this on anyone else, I heard a holy rebuke from God saying, knock it off, Andrew. Knock it off. 
You could be fed with so much more wonder and beauty and goodness and truth, and you choose to focus on the things that are being sh- like that are unhelpful and ugly. This isn't an invitation, by the way, to avoid injustice. But I will tell you now, I do not think that is where the, our biggest like concern needs to be right now. We will get that. We will hear that, we will see that, and we as followers of Jesus will respond to the injustice and brokenness of the world and be educated to walk in that. We will do that. But we need to watch all those soft spaces. I will say the worst way to start your day is to, well, you've heard me say this before, will be to roll over to your phone that's screaming at you because you set the alarm on it and then check your email, check your social media, check your newsfeed, And let that mark the beginning of your day. I cannot think of a better recipe for misery. Don't let your phone set your emotional equilibrium and your newsfeed set your view of the world. Resist it. You can win the day the first thing in the morning. Put your phone on the other side of the room and let prayer set your equilibrium. Let prayer and the scriptures set your view of the world. Don't let the enemy sabotage your movement toward joy. Surrender the illusion of control, Paul says. Give thanks. And then three, set your mind on the things above. These simple practices will help you over time become a joyful person. Now get this. Neurobiologists have shown that while most brain development stops sometime in childhood, the brain's joy center. Did you know you have a joy center? This is how science, literally scientists now will refer to this in like common language. It's located and observable right in the right orbital uh, prefront, prefrontal cortex. It is the only part of the brain that never loses its capacity to grow. Like you can always be grown and cultivated. Dr. Uh, James Friesen and his colleagues who sort of did the the most expansive studies on this, explain. When the joy center has been sufficiently developed, it regulates emotions, it regulates pain control and immunity centers. It guides us to act like ourselves. It releases neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin and is the only part of the brain that overrides the main drive centers like food, sexual impulses, terror, rage, And then they comment, without sufficient joy strength, we spend our lives trying to fill the deficit. The only part of our brain that never stops growing and the only part of the brain that overrides our base instincts. Think of things like depression and and addiction. This is the only part of the brain that overrides that. So when we tend, when we tend to the joy in our lives, it produces a kind of supernatural willpower to resist ungodly temptation and the brokenness and ache that can overtake us. Anyone else geeking out like a little bit who didn't know this? I think this is fascinating. Thomas Aquinas who is a 12th century uh, theologian writer. He says, an observ- um, he says, no one can live without delight. And that is why a man deprived of spiritual joy 
goes over to carnal pleasures. He did not have access to um, breakthrough neuro, uh, like, like neuroscience. Aquinas in the 1200s noticed this exact same thing. The scriptures point to the same thing. I love moments like this as a preacher. Hopefully you do as a follower of Jesus as well, where you're like, yeah, I believe this in faith. Yes, I've seen this play out in the lives of people around me. Yes, I've, I've seen what like, people marked by Christian joy can be like. Yes, I trust the scriptures. Oh, it's great that multiple like monks like pointed out and made these connections. Oh, wait, modern day neuroscientists are literally saying you can cultivate and practice joy. And it is the thing that breaks off what we as followers of Jesus would call sin. Okay, you don't have to be excited as I am. This is so fascinating, right? Joy is essential to our life. Whatever we may think of or say about God when we're not joyful, our thoughts and words don't bear the kind of fruit that they need to, that they should, that they could, maybe is a better way to say that. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose it and keep choosing it day after day. We get to grow it just as the joy center can be nurtured, this part of our brain right here can be nurtured and grown. Obviously the opposite can be true. Scientists talk about what happens in early childhood development and particularly when the joy center is suppressed. You can imagine the implications. And so I, I wanna land here and I can invite the band up, but Psalm 51.8, I want to extend some invitations to us, and then we're just going to have some time to respond in prayer and worship together. Psalm 51.8 says, let me hear joy and gladness. Does that sound like a prayer to you or like a demand? What does that sound like to you, a demand or a prayer? Let me hear joy and gladness. It's demand prayer. Let me hear it. The psalmist here is giving us permission, and I have a sense that some of us in the room need permission to ask. Let the bones that have been crushed rejoice. Let me hear joy and gladness. Might some of you have enough humility to be exhausted with your own cynicism and your own despair and go, man, I, I need it. Maybe some of you don't need to break anything off. You're there. You're at like that broken and contrite place. You're exhausted. You're despairing. You're at your end. You're like, I almost didn't want to come today because I knew you were talking about joy and I thought it might just tick me off because you have no idea what I'm going through. Just let me hear joy. Maybe today you need to come forward and just get on your knees or sit in the front pew. It's just a physical response. And just let someone bless you. You don't have to share your prayer request or anything, but just let someone like bless you with just like, let them hear joy. It's okay to ask. Have you ever asked God for joy? Psalm 65, eight. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns and where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. This is a really Jewish way of saying like, where, where does morning dawn and evening fade? You can respond back. Where does morning dawn and evening fade? Where? The sky? Nobody? It's not a trick question, by the way. 
everywhere. It's a Jewish way of saying everywhere, every square inch of the planet. And it says, where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. I had this image at this Maverick City show, like listening again to like full tilt, just like, Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Like some version of that same song, like over and 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 over again. Just like, praise God, praise God. How good is he? How good is he? Spirit, come remind me how good he is. It was just like basking in the glow and the beauty of it all. And I had, a, had this was the passage that came to mind everywhere. That's like God just calling forth songs of praise. He's calling it forth. Songs of joy everywhere. Maybe today your invitation in coming forward is like, God, help me to see you in everything. Because what's going on right now feels incredibly impossible for me to imagine being able to see joy here. Maybe you need to go to somebody. Like, you know, people in your life, I'm just looked over and thinking of you, Emily, who've like, they've been through it and they, they have this, they have this joy about them at the root of the ground of their being. And you're not sure how on earth with everything that you went through, is that joy still there? How? And you just need to be blessed by them. You don't have to share anything. This isn't like a counseling session up here, but we want to take a moment to respond ask God, ask God for joy. Let me hear joy, God. Or, or let me be able to see, God, where joy is. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Everywhere you call forth songs of joy. We have to use the agency we have to build a life filled with joy. Our default state as Christians should be joy. I would like to change my title from senior pastor to chief joy cultivator. I thought about this though. This is actually part of my responsibility is to help you help yourself and your community and your people to cultivate that kind of joy and that lightness, that freedom. We have to go after it. We have to go after it. We have to find a way to be present and to see the wonder that is in your life. This is the way. According to the scriptures and according to neuroscience, this is the way that we resist despair. Even in suffering, I know that some of you are, are in a place of suffering right now. And I, I think of Jesus's words in the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about being like slandered because of, of being a follower of Jesus. But it, it's essentially like whenever there is this ache, whenever you are slandered for my namesake, he says, leap for joy, rejoice, celebrate. It's not be delusional. It's not not be pain avoidant. It's just recognizing that Easter sits after Good Friday. It's recognizing that there like, is a day when he will wipe away every tear from their eye. It's having a holy perspective. It's realizing that there are things to give thanks from even in the brokenness. It's recognizing that God might do something in this. It's, it's a posture of surrender. Maybe the invitation today is for you to break off a critical spirit and a cynical spirit. Isaiah 61 Hear this, 
put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Do you have a spirit, a spirit of heaviness? A spirit of cynicism? The invitation is to bring forth like praise, which is like bringing forth joy. The way that we resist the spirit of heaviness is just praise. Yeah, I give thanks to you. I give thanks. I celebrate you, God. I rejoice in you. When we hear, read, and, and sing, we rejoice in you, God. We're saying, I celebrate you, God. I celebrate who you are. I celebrate you. This is, the, this is a weapon. Praise is a weapon. It is a force against cynicism and a force against doubt and a force against despair. And sometimes it feels like, like I was feeling at that concert, like, oh my gosh, I have to like push out and push away all of these forces that are like coming in on me so I can just let go. How can I do this like for Bill Belichick and can't do it for the God of the universe? It's okay to clap. That's what we're talking about. Breaking through this praise, breaking through this despair. It's okay to say amen. It's okay to rejoice in what God might be doing in your heart even now. And so we're going to have this extended time and I want to invite you as we sing spirit of the living God, come fall fresh on us. And then we're just going to sing, great are you, Lord. All the earth will shout your name. Our hearts will cry. These bones will break. Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. And we want to cultivate a few minutes here where we're listening to God together, where we're coming and responding. I had this image this morning at the east side of like relationships and marriages and friendships that are not marked by joy. And you just need to come forward and like, again, this isn't like a counseling session. Just come forward on your knees and respond together. Pray for each other. Bless each other. Ask like, Lord, like I want my heart to leap for joy. I am a little bit tired and exhausted by my own critical spirit. I want to wake up to the wonder of the world, of what is most true and most good. Most of us are not aware of just how shaped we are by cynicism and despair. And so we get suspicious in moments like this. And I want to invite us to just break off and break away from whatever might keep you captive, to break away from whatever might dull you to the goodness and beauty of joy. So if you want to stand and put your arms up, like I've never done that, I hate that, it's so weird. But I know that like deep in my bones, that posture of physically embodying surrender and openness to God would break something off of me. I'm going to come forward and just allow someone to put their hand on my back and just bless me. I bless you for joy to start a new week. Let me extend one last invitation. Some of us who are not in a place of despair, you're doing all right, things are okay. This is the way you light yourself on fire. You're fine. Everything's pretty cool. Oh, I hope somebody else like gets some more joy. I'm doing pretty all right. This is not an invitation to all right. It's an invitation to joy. The full measure of joy. Like all that God has for you with joy, he wants to give to you, all of it. Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, anyone familiar with Mr. Rogers? All right. Mr. Rogers was a follower of Jesus. He was an ordained minister. And there's so much writing about him, people writing about him. And they talk about how it was to be in his presence and the deep underlying, I don't imagine Mr. Rogers was like some like crazy Pentecostal. You know, I don't, I don't know, maybe he was. 
But like, but they, joy, in other words, takes all sorts of forms. And for him, it was like being in his orbit was like, I am just like in the presence of like a divine joy, a divine rest, a divine peace. There was a kindness and a gentleness. Maybe you're doing fine, but good Lord, there's so much that God would have for you to bless those around you. God wants to use you to bless those around you. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. When we are too, um, too hesitant, too calculated, too sophisticated, too buttoned up, too cynical, too critical, to receive the joy that you have for us. God, I pray for my sisters and brothers who are in places of despair. I need to say, God, would you bring me joy? For those who want to have eyes to see the, the joy of the Lord everywhere. If, if any of these invitations are for you, just you can begin to come forward as we sing. Or to stand and rejoice. To give thanks to the God of the universe. To receive the full measure that he has for you to have the humility and resolve in your heart in this moment to say, I don't want, I'm kind of tired of myself. I don't want any more of this. I want to be the person who lights other people up, not dulls their light. Who, because I'm so on fire, I'm sending others around me on fire. I'm not the one who, when I walk into a room, everyone just kind of like, whatever moves away from joy. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fill this place and would you minister to your people that this church, Sanctuary Church, would be marked by joy. That as we go about the work of justice and as we go about the work of serving the poor and the hurting and the broken and the oppressed, as we go about being a voice of hope in our world to our friends and to the society at large, Lord, that we would be people marked by joy. So let's come forward. Let's kneel, let's stand, let's sing, let's pray, let's cry out and ask the Lord to minister to us in this moment. In Jesus' name.